Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we got one of Fort Wayne's finest. This man's name is very interesting. Uh, it's Greek in origin, and I'm not going to mess it up. So I'm going to uh, have Dakota bounce over to Sam, and he's going to tell us his legal name. It's uh, Sotidios Borunis. Mm. But we can call me Sam, though. See, Beautiful. <laughs> That, that is a pretty cool name. Like, all of the Greek names are, like, pretty. They have a lot of uh, character. Yeah, a lot of vowels. Papadopoulos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Sam, we most know him as the owner of one of the Cosmos locations here in Fort Wayne. But he also owns a few other companies when I was looking into it, as well as a holding company that he buys real estate in. Um, he's got a lot going on. This guy's only 29 years old. It looks like he's got five businesses total. Five businesses have tried, yes. Okay, awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. So uh, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. 20, Thanks for the opportunity. 29, dude. I thought you were older than that, actually. Did you? Yeah, dude, that's crazy. So you're, you're right in between Tony and I then. Yep, so 30, 28. 28, 30? Yeah. You're 30? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, no, it's uh, I'm older. <laughs> you can't tell from the beard? That's It's awesome. the lack of maturity that makes me Sorry, seem younger. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where did you grow up? Did you grow up here in Fort Wayne? And what was it like for you growing up? Yeah, so grew up here in Fort Wayne. Um, was born in Sherrillville, Munster. I was one or the other. One has the hospital, the other one doesn't. Mm. Um, but we moved here when I was three years old. Um, man, life growing up here was really good, actually. So my um, my parents, they started Cosmos in 95. Wow. And um, my dad had always been in the restaurant business from when he came here when he was 15 by himself. So he came from Greece when he was by himself at 15. And he's always kind of been in the restaurant business. He had his first restaurant when he was 19. Um some of them were successes, other ones weren't. Some of them he bought, sold, you know, that kind of thing. But um, landed up here in Fort Wayne, and um, it was my parents' like first like real big success. Um, so life growing up here for me was I was uh, always going to the restaurants at a young age. I remember being standing on a milk crate, and they had me expediting the food coming out of the window and stuff like that. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I had to help, you know. Um, so a lot of restaurant school was great, a lot of friends. Um, yeah, life in Fort Wayne has been really good. Fort Wayne's treated me very well, so I, I like Fort Wayne. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so the the family business was the restaurant business. Yeah. Uh, how how did you decide that you wanted to like carry that torch or continue? with the business like you didn't get sick of it obviously because you're still in it mm -hmm. or maybe you are <laughs> he's, like, he's like maybe you are sick of it <laughs> maybe you are sick of it because i know it's kind of like a monster a lot of people say that like the restaurant business one of the toughest businesses because of the small profit margins the amount of labor that's necessary the um you know regulations around it like anybody can come in and basically shut down your business if they find stuff like health inspectors and things like that. So what made you decide that 
this was the route that you wanted to go. So before I was even thinking about it, as far as like carrying on a torch and the legacy of my family name, man, I just, I just wanted to be like my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was, um, you know, we're, we're a Greek family, so we believe a family helps each other. So my dad helped all of us get started. I mean, my dad helped us get houses. He paid for colleges and stuff like that. And being the youngest out of six, you know, I saw it a lot with my older brothers and sisters, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, I just want to be able to do for my family what my dad does for our family. And the way I knew how was through the family business. So it just started with something little like that at first. And then it started growing into I want to keep the family legacy. I actually remember the, a day, too, that it, like, really hit me was um, we had customers bring in this plaque that they had made or this picture that they had made and it was pictures of them wearing cosmos hats on the great wall of china oh my gosh and it said cosmos from the great wall and back and you know some would say that was like something little but like that moment when they brought that inside of the restaurant and they put it there i was like damn my dad is from like a little village of like a thousand people and it might just be a restaurant, but it's something big enough to where somebody was like, okay, let me purchase these hats. I'm gonna take pictures on the Great Wall of China. I'm gonna spend a hundred bucks, 50 bucks, whatever, get this made and just take it inside of there for them. And that's when I really realized that there was something way more, a lot more serious than just money. And it was more about being in like the family business and carrying the family name on. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was an eye-opening experience for me. That's awesome. Is your is your dad still around then? Yeah, he's still around. He's uh, actually in Greece right now. My grandparents, his parents are actually still alive. Um, they're not doing too good, so he's over there um, helping out and taking care of them with my mom. They've been there for, uh, I don't know, maybe about six months now or so. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, he's still around. He good. calls me all the time. and That's awesome. Always complaining, yelling, screaming. <laughs> Cosmos is a... Uh um, it's just like a family-run business, right? It's not like a franchise no, or anything like that? it's not like a that. franchise, yep, so it's okay. our own concept. So how many is there? Um, right now there's one. There was two. Oh. Um, my brother actually ran the Canterbury location, yep. and he just sold it um, to a great guy. Hopefully they're going to do great things with it. Um, but, yeah, right now, so it's just the one. And I, they're changing the name of it then? Yeah, they already okay. changed it to Breakfast Club. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yep, so just the one at 9807 Lima. Nice. So there's a just just uh, this is kind of funny is a stereotype I guess the uh, there's Liberty Diner and he's a Greek guy too mm-hmm. I like he's got like the he's like very pro America so he's got like the he's Statue cool of Liberty like all that sort of thing George. I was yeah yeah I was gonna ask you if there's like animosity with George or like friendly competition or like what your guys relationship no, no is animosity. to him <laughs> so, no no animosity so. Um, you know, I have like this thing with like Greeks. Anybody that's Greek, they're my family. They're my cousin mm-hmm. or something. And I don't even need to get into it. You're my cousin. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Greeks like to see like other Greeks like succeed. So my dad was one of the first Greek restaurants here in Fort Wayne. And um, soon after that, you know, it kind of followed. It kind of followed. My dad actually helped out like a lot of uh, a lot of people get started too. Like I'm not saying that like on a bragging like standpoint. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean was that like a lot of like other Greek restaurant owners like in town have called my dad for advice and uh, my dad's like help him graciously. So there's no animosity there whatsoever. That's awesome. Did, uh, so you buy real estate. It looks like you have a holding company. Mm-hmm. Uh, what got you interested in real estate and then what are your goals? Sure. So uh, 
real estate kind of goes hand in hand with the restaurant business, right? You could all about location, location, location. Um, and then especially like if you're getting into, we start talking about rents and stuff like that. Sometimes it just makes more sense to buy, you know, something that you can build equity for yourself and have a future in. Um, so that's kind of like where my interest kind of began was is like, I got, this is a piece of my business. So I need to understand this, um, obviously on the commercial side, but after, um, being in the business for a while, um, you know, I've just started looking for investments. And when I'm thinking about investments, I want something solid, concrete, I can touch, right? That's there. Um, the stock market, I never understood it. For all I know, it's just somebody touching buttons and it's just going up and down, <laughs> up and down. I mean, that's how I feel about it. Real estate, it's something like real. You know, there's a market set. There's rents that need to be paid. The market sets that. Um, if you got property paid off, it looks like you're going to be making good income. Um, so it just seems like a... It just seemed like a road that I should definitely try to go down. I like it. So uh, how many rentals do you have? I actually don't have any rentals. Mm -hmm. So I just own the property um, for Cosmos. Mm -hmm. And then I bought another commercial property before it was bare ground, sat on it for two years. I thought it was going to be a quick flip. It was a nightmare from hell. It was like all this cash was just tied up. Um, but yeah, so I just, just done that. Um, been trying, been trying the last year. It seems like I've like written up like 10, 15, maybe 20 things and it just doesn't go, you know, but I get a little bit greedy. I was talking about this with you. I get a little bit greedy on the, on the acquisition part of it, you know, so sometimes it comes a little bit harder for me. Yeah. You could call it something different than greedy. Yeah. Maybe we call like, it a different, a, a yeah, very conservative, conservative, conservative. There <laughs> yes. You conservative. You're very conservative, which like, we're very conservative too, I would say. Extremely conservative because they always say the money is made when you buy. That's what I was always told. And so then you get that kind of ingrained. It's interesting how like, you know, you get this stuff ingrained in you and there's always some truth to these sayings, but it's not the 100% truth, you know? You do make money when you buy, but also you can save money other places, which we just talked about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that got ingrained. And then again, we use that all the time. Like, hey, our goal, and we tell us to sellers, our goal is to not lose money on this. And this is a way to stay conservative and to try to you know, make sure that we don't. Obviously, the lower price that we buy it, the less risk we have at losing money. And they're like, that makes sense because mm -hmm. it does make sense. So um, yeah, I would just call it conservative. Don't call it greedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, on a, in a different case, like if something played off of like my business, right? So like, say if like I found like, um, a location that I really wanted to put a restaurant in. I wasn't thinking about leasing it out or anything like that. I wanted to put a restaurant in. I might pay a little bit more for mm -hmm. it then. You know, mm -hmm. then it's a, then it's a different thing. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, it's just been kind of tough, like in that aspect. Yeah, going on it. Yep. Uh, it is possible to find good deals, uh, even in you know a, a market that's going great. The thing that we primarily focused on was direct to seller marketing and just finding these targeted lists. You know, there are uh, websites that compile tax information and then they sort it according to like different levels of motivation. So there's vacant properties, mortgage foreclosures, that sort of thing. And uh, it's not the traditional route that a lot of people are taught. You know, most people just go to the MLS and then it's the route that has a lot of work, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, both. Both have a lot of work. Realistically, I mean, with the MLS, you know, you got to freaking work that a whole nother a whole nother way. 
Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. Um, but there's still a lot of work. Like if you go to the real estate agent, you write up those offers, like it was probably a lot of work for you to write up all those offers mm -hmm. still and like run the math on it and stuff. So. But I see, but I enjoy doing that. Yeah. I enjoy working on the numbers. Yep, exactly. Part. And I enjoy, I enjoy talking to sellers and trying to make a deal happen. So like, it like, it's like I thrive on it. And I'm like, man, I've realized now, like in the last three months, I haven't really talked to many sellers or talked to many people. And I'm realizing that it's kind of like making me not as energetic because now I'm not doing the thing that I like to do. Like I like to talk to people and like make a deal happen. And like, it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing stuff. So yeah, yeah it's good. Good. Find stuff and with you. That I ran into that problem too within uh, the restaurant business too, man, because there's so much stuff that needs to be done in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to sit here and lie to you that I like all of it. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I hate, I hate really bad. Yep. Um, but I mean, it's okay. Like you got to do it if you want the whole bigger picture to work. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. If I'm not doing the things that I like to do and I enjoy to do, sometimes I just lose interest. Yep. And what's going on yep exactly and it sucks whenever you do have to do that we talk about that a lot actually what actually tony talked about it a little bit but like i want to hear from your side what is the difficulties of running a restaurant specifically and then after that i really do want to go into margins because i always heard that breakfast has more margins because obviously you're selling eggs for like ten dollars it costs you know a couple bucks mm -hmm. so like talk about the margins but first talk about the difficulties and then i want to hear the margins afterwards just because i'm always interested yes yeah, so um restaurant business Thinking about it like as a whole, it seems pretty easy, right? Make sure the place is clean. Make sure your food is good. Make sure your service is good. Um, but accomplishing those three things is very, very hard. Mm -hmm. So um, a hard one is definitely employees, staffing. Um, you have to be, you have to be, you have to communicate very well. Um, and you kind of have to understand, I would say, what the other person's feelings are and what they want to come out of the conversation and what's their big end goal. Um, you have to be good at reading that as far as communicating it because if you don't understand that um, or if you don't at least try to understand it, then it's like, okay, this guy doesn't really care about me or you know, he's not even hearing me. You, know, you start getting into that kind of road. So that's kind of tough. Um, staffing, the other one would definitely be um, with costs going up all over the place. I mean, with the restaurants, you know, mar you guys said it already, margins are already low anyway. So now that food cost is rising all over the place, that's like I got like, you know, six different screens, like kind of like you guys got here. And I'm like, got Gordon's pulled up over here, US Foods pulled over here, and I'm going line by line trying to check product by product. Mm. And we got a big inventory list. We got like 187 inventory items. Wow. So it's like, uh, you know, that, that's, that's time consuming. It's difficult to do that. And um, I would say the other one is uh, teaching customer service, customer service. So um, with a breakfast place like ours, you know, we're not serving, um, we're not serving $30 plates, $40 plates, right? So the level of service 
doesn't need to be like over the top. Like you go to Ruth Chris and they start right. putting like napkins on their hands and stuff. And it's like, dude, I really just want to order. Please don't yeah. give me the whole spiel. Right. You know, so it's not necessarily like that, but there's still a level of customer service that needs to be done. You need to make people feel like you care. Um, people love to hear their name. Remembering anybody's name is always good. Um, and just trying to create like regulars. I always tell like as far as like a server goes, like in your station, this is your business. These three, four, five tables right here, this is yours. You own this. Yep. So when people come into your section, people walk into your house, you need to know who they are. You need to take care of them. Same thing kind of goes. So it's just a lot of attention to detail and constant correction. I like, like it. Constant correction. Yep. Let's talk about the margins now. So you said they're very small. And we had a uh, another restaurant owner. He owns a, um, a Mexican restaurant in Kenderville. And... Uh, yeah, he just said that his were like, I don't know, what was it, 10 to 15% max or whatever. But he had that same issue that you're talking about, the cost. The costs are going up. And then whenever you raise it on the menu, then people get upset. And it's like, dude, like, that's kind of life. Mm -hmm. um, but what do what your margins look like? And, like, what's your most profitable thing and your least profitable? Sure. So um, I would definitely say one of our drinks are always really profitable. Those are super profitable as far as the food that we have. I mean, eggs, you really can't beat it, but it fluctuates, right? So, like, right now, we're high. Right now, you can see stuff at, like, almost, like, $2 a dozen. Um, if you find, like, a deal, it's going to be, like, $1.50 a dozen, which is still really high compared to what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but as a whole, like, you know, I got some I got some items right now that are losers, you know, I because I haven't raised my menu prices to yep. match it. But as a whole, when you look at everything, I'm normally – with a hands-on ownership, you can you can be there at 20%. You can yep. be there at 20% and take it with a hands-on ownership. That means you're watching waste. You're watching, you know, if somebody's going to cut the whole top of the pepper off and throw the whole top away, like, that doesn't need to happen. Like, that's waste. So, like, you kind of – somebody needs to be hands-on watching it if you really want to control that kind of stuff. Gotcha. What, what would you say is your biggest loser right now just with the way that it's been? Uh, definitely, definitely probably beef. Beef? Yeah. High, bacon's really high right now. Um, yeah, I would definitely probably say it's beef. Nice. Mm -hmm. Bread, bread has gone skyrocket. Really? Yeah, you would just something so like I don't even really think about it because like a guy would come in and he just did the whole order. I didn't really have to do anything. Um, he would just do the whole order, and it's like I got a letter in the mail three months ago saying prices are going to increase. I just got another one last week saying prices are going to increase, and it's like. Out of the million things I got to do, I got to sit here and watch how much the dang toast is going to cost. You know, that was something I never really thought of. And now it's just always yep. coming up. Have you thought about uh, whenever you're saying like you're looking at everything, have you thought about like maybe hiring a VA, like a virtual assistant from another country that's just like looking at all the prices and trying to find the lowest? Yeah. So I thought about it. Um, the thing is tough because the job restarts every week. New prices yeah. come out every week. Um, so as soon as you get like a handle on it, boom, they change again. Just have, them, uh, just have them be consistently there then just like telling you every week, hey, here's where you buy this week or whatever. I don't know if you're uh, – like if it's the same stuff though because that might be a different issue that you run into is, oh, the customer got used to this kind of bread. Now they get upset because you switched. That's the worst is when you change it. Yeah. And then somebody complains, and then you don't know what to do because right. you hear one complaint, two complaints on the first day, and you're like, okay, do I ride this out or do I keep it going? Yep. Um, so that's always been difficult too. Yeah, you know, I guess I've never really thought about hiring, like, a virtual assistant. I have uh, tried to put it on our managers before. Um, and, you know, when something 
our, our staff does a great job at this, so I'm not complaining at all. But, you know, when, a lot of times when something's not yours, you don't take care of it the same yeah. way. So that's, uh, that's always a challenge, too, you know, because, you know, something might be two cents cheaper, and I'm going to go on it every time when it's two cents cheaper, but somebody else might look at that and be like, it's two cents. Yeah, but when we do 100,000 of them, it's not two cents. Yeah. We're talking money. Yep. That's so, what I was going to say is like uh, we try to do exactly like what you talked about is incentivize based on that because otherwise it's very difficult to think of it as a big deal. But if you're incentivized based on like you get 1% or 0.05% of profit or something, you're incentivized on it, then maybe now that thing that you didn't care about, now you kind of are because it's tied to your pay. So that's what we mm -hmm. always try to do is tie it to the pay somehow. So now, yeah, as the employee, you don't give a crap because your pay doesn't change. And it's like two cents doesn't matter. But if your pay is based on it, then... Maybe I care a little bit more. So I think uh, a really, I think a nice or a good way of doing that would be like a profit share. Yes. Um, I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that yet. Sure. Um, but I know a lot of the restaurants, like especially like chains that you see. Um, what's the one that's coming to mind right now? They got a plaque outside their front door. It says like managing partner or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm they they I'm imagining they get a profit share, so they feel like they have a sense of ownership in it. They feel like it's theirs. They try a little bit harder. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet with my one yep. location, but um, definitely wouldn't mind doing it if I grew it. Yep, I like it. So what do, what do your businesses look like today? And then how do you keep everything organized? Yeah, so uh, today, how I keep everything organized, I don't really know, man. I just, I just, <laughs> I just try my best. Sometimes it seems like it gets away from me. Sometimes I feel like I got a really good handle on it. Sometimes I want to pull my hair out. Um, my businesses today is, so my holding company is just kind of on, it's just smooth sailing, right? To me, it's really nothing more than a bank account. That's how I, yep. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's on, that's sailing right now. Just put money in the account, make sure bills are paid. And you probably, you hold your property and your holding company. Yeah. And then you have your business rent from holding company because yep. of the advantages of that a high rent too mm -hmm. high rent so like the two play together really well because you mm -hmm. can take you know i can make my profits a little bit less on my business and put more profits on my corp which is a better tax rate exactly on it. so um kind of have to juggle those two um a little bit but if the IRS is listening, it's market rent. The market rent. There we go. <laughs> market rent. It probably is, right? It's like high, but it still could be market rent. No, so actually, so um, I, I, I feel comfortable saying it. So I pay myself $8,000 a month rent. The, it used to be a tire barn in front of us. They left because they took their rent from 18000 to 20000 so I might a be year or a month, a month. Oh my gosh. So I, so I might be below it. Yeah, exactly. That's I, what I'm saying. I, it's I commercial. Might be below it. yeah. Dude, commercial is so like, it's so crazy. It's, it's whatever you want it to be in mm -hmm. commercial. It could be triple net or, you know, yeah. like, dude, yeah, that could be reasonable. Like 8,000 could be super cheap actually. Yep. And you know, most of my, um, most of my things, most of the deals that I try to put together, they've been commercial. Cause that's what I understand mm -hmm. the most. And I like, uh, um, I definitely want to diversify, so I want to get into residential, but I like the fact that it's completely triple net. Yeah. Right? Completely, just pay me my money. You deal with everything. And <laughs> yeah. may, maybe I'll patch the roof if you need it. But, you know, so that's kind of, um, that's the direction I want to go as far as, like, real estate. Now, I would love a residential portfolio, um, but I would like something um, 
I don't know why. I guess I should ask you guys this, but I, I want more of like a complex, right? Where everybody's like yeah. all in like one unit, property manager there instead of having stuff like all around town. Wouldn't mind having commercial properties all around town because it's like I said, it's not really me doing anything. Yeah, so you mean uh, for for residential or well, I guess it'd be you know commercial. It's still considered. commercial, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you don't mean like businesses. You mean housing. Okay, housing. Okay. Yeah, I think there are like definitely a lot of benefits to having a multifamily property. The reason that we got started, where we got started, is because we didn't start with very much money, mm-hmm. and so uh, it was easier too to find better deals because the number of single family homes out there are exponentially more than the number of large multifamily property. Far greater, yeah. Typically when you're dealing with somebody who owns a large multifamily property, it's because they're savvy and they know what they've got and they're not willing to discount it very much. And then you have to kind of create value adds by like reducing the capital expenditures year over year by like, you know, adding in smart thermostats and like changing the lighting out and raising the rents and then like try to make the property worth more money based on a cap rate versus if you have a fantastic sales guy and you have a pretty good marketer and you do some direct to seller marketing of folks who are in a tight spot that are just like, I really don't want this problem anymore. Please help me. Then you can get such a significantly better deal that like it just made sense for us to do single family. Yeah. But uh, what you're talking about is a lot simpler because it's just like, hey, it's one building. We just got to maximize it now. Yeah. And I know all this sounds real easy and it's not right. But it's like, you know, I I got a spare apartment here. You go stay in that one. Watch this property for me. Can you mow the grass a little (laughs) bit? All right. And then we got another property. It just seems like I, I don't know. It just seems like you can put it together a little bit easier instead of having to try to grind it out. But then again, got to have like a million bucks. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari Simply has been the best. Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. Yeah, you know, you have got to have a nice down payment for something like that. I tried to write up uh, six condos not too long ago. Um, it was all one. It was like a portfolio or whatever. Thing was like like 4.9 or 5.5%. I forget what it was. I lost my mind. I couldn't believe it. That that's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, you need me to put down 70% for this thing to cash flow at this rate, man. Yeah. You know, and I always thought residential was high. You know, when they told me about this deal, I was like, I thought I was going to see an eight, nine, 10 cap. No, this thing was like 4.9 or five or something. Yep. That's what we looked at. We were looking at a uh, multifamily. I think it was like 18 or 19 units in Waynedale. And then we're like, okay, so we put $400,000 down. And it still doesn't cash flow. Mm-hmm. How does this make any sense? Yeah. And then guess what? Some freaking guy out of California bought it. I'm like, okay, and, you can have it. And that's what's happening too. I so I hear um, is that like you know a lot of these a lot of these out of state guys they're very attra- they're very attracted to seven percent caps because mm-hmm. back at home they're dealing with fours and fives. Yeah. I mean, I just saw a Chick Fil A for like three point two or something, but they're they're happy with fours and fives, so they come to Fort Wayne and eat it up <laughs> at yeah. the sevens. And now. It's like more and more I start seeing less and less sevens and it's more in like the sixes and the fives. 
Yeah, which is, you would think it would go the opposite way with the way rates are going. You'd think that it's supposed to go like, okay, let's get some better deals now. And I guess for the people out there, can you explain to them what a cap rate is? Yeah, so a cap rate, um, I mean, how do you explain it? So, all right, so um, let's say a property is a million bucks and it's bringing in 50000 a year. That'd be a 5% cap rate. But um, you really want to be at like at least a seven. Right? Yeah. If you want to put... 20% down, you want to be at a seven. You might be able to put 10% down and stretch it real long and still make it flow. Um, and the higher, the, so the higher the cap rate, the better the deal. And then Tony can give you a, you want to give a real brief overview of it? Yeah, so basically you're looking at the net operating income. So it's not how much rent you bring in, it's rent minus management minus expenses. Uh, and you're just pretending like it doesn't have a loan on it. So it'd be like, if you bought it cash, how much money would it produce year over year? And so if it took you like 20 years to pay it off, you'd be at a five cap because you'd make 5% per year. So it's the net operating expenses divided by the purchase price. That gives you your cap rate. Yeah, and the higher the number, the better return that you get. The lower the number, then the, the worse return that you're getting. So if you, it's a three cap, it's a stupid bad deal, like not good. It's a 20 cap, anybody would buy that. Mm -hmm. So that's what we tried to do. We tried to buy 20 caps on single family. Is when we started, we're like, okay, we cannot lose on this. We should well, not be able to lose on this. And the silver bullet or like the magic of being a fantastic real estate investor is figuring out how to get your money back out of the deal. Uh, I know that Sam was talking about like trying to own everything cash. We do the opposite kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll buy a deal go to a commercial bank that does uh, cash out refinances with no seasoning period. And then they'll get an appraisal and they'll give us 75% of appraisal. And if we can get 100% of our money back, then Free some property. folks, some folks talk about cash on cash return. Yeah. Well, your return, if you don't have any money in the deal at all is infinite. So then you look smart. Uh, until things turn south and you're like, oh man, we need, <laughs> we need some money. Now. Well, you look smart until you talk to the banks and the banks are like, yeah, I don't like this. And like, they're like, you got no skin in the game. Yeah. We're not giving you any more money. So the banks don't like it. Man, but a lot of banks have been very conservative lately too. Oh yeah. For very, sure. Very conservative. They've I mean, there's some, there's some that are competitive, but man. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. That's what I was going to actually ask you about. So I didn't, do you, do you hold everything cash? I guess is my first question. You hold everything cash now. Do I hold everything in cash? Yeah, like uh, like so your debt on your uh, commercial building, do you have a loan on it? or? Yeah, you... I got debt. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next question is, what do uh, the Greeks or like your heritage, are they very much like uh, the Hispanic culture where like, you know, it seems like the Hispanic culture uses like no debt, no debt at all. Like they don't like it. Yeah, so um, my dad, that's how he operated. He did not want any debt. He had a lot of debt um, before, or he used debt. Let's say that uh, he used debt. Uh, but he didn't like it. It always drove him nuts. For me, I'm kind of I'm kind of the same way as you guys. I I really don't care. It's just like a number. Makes sense. It's just a number on a piece of paper to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, um, yeah, I I rather use debt, especially like when interest rates were low, real low. I mean, yeah. it's free money. Yeah. I, I refinanced everything. No question. You know. So. I'll take that all day long. Yeah. 
when when rates went down that low, man, like we were trying to refinance some properties and it's a long story, but our tax accountant would didn't have stuff done. And like we did the math on like how much money we really lost. And it's like missed the boat. I mean, it's we're talking millions realistically, yeah. like over time because of uh, her not getting stuff ready. There's some bull crap, dude. It sucks, but it is what it is. We got to take take what we have now and then just go and uh, work with what we got. But yeah, I'm like, man, I was frustrated. So and I see like there's like I was talking with a bank. Um, I was trying to put together this deal and I didn't want to, I didn't want to put any money down. It was a smaller deal. And I, so I had the assets for it and they said, okay, we need 30%. 30%. What I, bank was it? What do you, I, I can't say, uh-huh. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say, but it, 30%, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, that's crazy. No, like, I'm sorry. Like it should be like, since I'm not putting any money, maybe 20. Yeah. But it really should be 10. Right. Either way around. Yeah. So usually, so usually for us it's twenty five percent. But uh, I'll tell you a quick story, and I'll tell you the bank. I don't give a crap, dude. <laughs> three rivers, dude. We hold all of our money with three rivers, and uh, I'm talking to the lady, and she's like, um, she's basically saying, she's like, well, you know, you guys, uh, you're not really like really established all the way. You guys have used a lot of debt, and. Um, what other things was she saying? Well, she's just saying that we don't have any skin in the game. Yeah. We've always take consistently taken all of it out. If you look at our uh, price that we purchased properties for, and then you look at the amount that we've borrowed, we've borrowed significantly more than what we've purchased the properties for. Mm-hmm. And so even though our purchase prices are really good, our, our you know loan to value is still like 65% or something like that. So we have a lot of equity. It's just that when they look at it, they're like, you... Uh, you know, oh, 4.8 million and you don't have a lot of liquidity, you know, you don't have a million in the bank. So that scares us that you owe that much and you don't have, you know, a million dollars in the bank. And even then, even if we did, they would still find a way to be like, hey, look, your guys' income isn't consistent and predictable because we've scaled exponentially every year. And so it's like, well, if this is look at the acceleration, how about that? How about you just look at the velocity? <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember what else they said too. They said uh, they were like, "Well, what if the market changes fifty percent?" I'm like, "If the market changes fifty percent, you don't have a job. The U.S. economy is like freaking tanking." I'm the last person you need to be worried about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, mar- the market goes fifty percent. Yeah, I was like, "Why are we even? Why are we even talking about that as a hypothetical?" I was like, "That's just like the craziest thing ever." And then one other thing that she said that actually really did bother me was she was talking about how, like, they like to lend to people who have other jobs or other ways of income. I'm like, okay. So you're going to lend a couple million dollars to somebody who's dabbling into real estate because they have income from something else. I was like, when realistically, I could go get a job making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year as a salesperson, but then I'd be net making less money. And also I'm hyper focused and show that like I'm a real estate professional. So like, shouldn't you bet on the person instead of like, think about where they're going to get this other income from? Because I promise you, me as a person, if this starts tanking and I got to go find money somewhere else, I promise you, I will find money somewhere else if i have to and i mean like even like i know this is going to sound corny but even when you watch shark tank and the guy says oh do you have another job and the guy's like yeah okay well you need to quit that job yeah otherwise i'm out and focus on that Mm -hmm. you know i don't know it's it's tough but the banks are always going to want their it's always going to be one-sided their way yeah i did a deal 
that it was really good to me because I needed this deal. But it was really good to me. And um, but looking back on it, I was like, man, the the bank made me their bitch pretty much. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they like they got the complete upper hand like on all sides. There yep. wasn't anything that went my way, even though. Like it did go my way because that's right. what I wanted to do and it worked. But it was just like I just said yes, yes, yes. I just did whatever I needed to do to get the deal done. Yep. You know, man, it's um, yeah, it's something different. But well, dude, tell us, tell us, tell us what happened in it with that deal. Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, I wanted, I wanted to buy, I wanted to buy a property that was on a super good deal. There was a lot of equity built up in it, so I was not putting any money down. Um, which was fine. But I said, because there's so much equity, I don't want any personal guarantees. I don't want none of that. This LLC is going to be the person. If you even need money down, I'll put a little bit, but I'm not doing personal guarantees or nothing. Mind you, I'm talking of like, we, I got this thing at like 50% value, right? So there should have been no questions even asked. Like mm -hmm. it was free for them. Yep. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, they got me and uh, you know interest rate blah 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 all that was fine but they made me do the personal guarantee and not only that they made my wife who had nothing to do with any of this that's got her own thing going on sign too on top of it yep um, and then they said that you know everything will fall off in like a couple years you guys' guarantees will fall off in a couple years this and that but it was just like I was just thinking about it and I was like going back and I was like, why did I even do that? Like, why did I even let them do that? Like I had them, you know, they, they think they had me, but I really had them. There's no way a bank didn't want to lend this deal. Yep. Any bank would have jumped all over it. Yep. Um, so that kind of, that kind of got me a little bit, you know, it kind of made me like realize that like, Hey, these people are not on my side. Yeah. Like they don't want to see me succeed. Right. You know, it's all about them. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, too, is that I told the uh, Three Rivers the same thing. I said, hey, give me your terms. You want a personal guarantee? Cool. You want 50% loan to value? Cool. We'll do it. Give me your terms. Whatever the terms and are. And I will find a way to structure it because we're good enough at structuring a deal that I'll find a way to structure it however you say. Mm -hmm. Give me your loan to value. Give me your terms. Tell me what you want, and we'll tell you when we have a deal that matches that. They still would not find anything to do. And so then I was like, all right, we had like, we, we had a bunch of money in the savings account there. I was like, pull it all out. Let's get it out of there. They're not holding our money anymore. So I just pulled it all out, transferred it over to the other banks that are actually loaning us money. Cause I told them that I was like, you guys hold all of our money. You see all of our transactions. You guys know what we're doing and you given us no money. And I've been with you the longest, like banked with you guys the longest. And Three Rivers is a credit union too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. So you would think that they're willing to play ball. Yep. But then they said, oh, no, our uh, our bucket is full on this one. And I'm like, well, I know somebody else is doing it in your bucket. And then I thought his name. And then she's like, okay, I'll take a look at it for you. And then she's like, yeah, well, he's got income from something else. I'm like, that's the dumbest excuse I've ever heard because I can go get income from something else. But if I go do that, just so you know, I'm going to make less money. We will make less money then. Yeah, and I'm not watching the asset that you guys just lent yeah. me a whole bunch of money for. Exactly. So is that really what you want me to do? Yeah, it doesn't. It, banks don't always do the most uh, logical thing. I'll say that. No, and they're supposed to be there for us too. Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to keep like economy going. Their yeah. job is to put money out. That's, right. That's their job. Yeah. That's the only way they make money, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. So it it looks like you're married. Yeah. And you mentioned your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had to co-sign on that loan. Yeah. 
<laughs> what uh what is your how'd you meet your wife what's your relationship with her like and uh just how's everything going like family wise sure so uh actually met her in the restaurant mm. actually met server? her server yes yeah, she was well no, okay so she was a server but um we weren't like into each other or I, I don't think so we weren't into <laughs> each other then um but then she had left the restaurant and she was going to another restaurant. And I think at that point in time, I was either just getting ready to take over the business or I hadn't yet, or I did. It was right around that time. Um, and I called her back and I said, hey, I, I need a manager. I'm looking for a manager, will you come back and work? She said, yeah. Um, but she's a baseball mom, so she said, yeah, but I need six months off. And no, she didn't say six months, but it was all these days and this and that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so we worked together for a year, like hand in hand, right next to each other. And um, we became like super, super good friends. Like I don't remember the last, like I, I've never gotten close with, with anybody like that. Um, before actually having like feelings beforehand, right? Like it was like we got close first and then the feelings grew. Um, so yeah, that's how I met her. And then uh, when we decided that we wanted to be together, I fired her <laughs> <laughs> just because, you know, that's kind of how, it, but it was a mutual thing. It wasn't like I fired her like that. We just kind of talked about it. Um, and then, um, yeah, okay, you realize I'm about to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, no, so then uh, we got, uh, we've been together for five years, been married for two and a half, and everything's going really, really great. That's awesome. Yeah, really great. I'm very, very lucky to have her. So you you mentioned that she was a mom. Did she, did she have a previous relationship, and then she... Yeah, so she um, had a, she has a son, that's um, 16. He just had a birthday. Wow. So um, she had a 16-year-old, and I had a six-month-year-old. And uh, there's a whole other story there, but neither one of the parents are involved in their lives, so it's just mm -hmm. me and her. Um, so it was like overnight I became a father of to a 10-year-old <laughs> yeah. and a six-month-year-old. And I was like, holy crap, man. Like, what the heck happened? But she was, like, phenomenal. Like, she, like, she did stuff with my son that I, there was no way that I was going to be able to do it by myself. You know, and she, like, came in at the perfect time. I was drowning, man. I was drowning. I had, like, a newborn that was, like, crawling so much that was sweeping my floors, <laughs> like, his shirts. Um, but, yeah, so she, like, completely took over with uh, him. And, yeah, I just couldn't be thankful enough for that. That's awesome. Both mm -hmm. boys? Yeah, both boys. Did you ever get that, like, classic, uh, I think it's, like, Lifetime movies always do that one line where it's like, you're not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're that dynamic. No, I haven't, no, I haven't gotten that yet. So, like, I, uh, so I went into it thinking I was going to be, like, a father figure. But her grandfather was a huge part in her son's life. So when I went into it thinking I was going to be, like, a father, like, my wife was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're gonna be mm -hmm. more like his best friend, You're like his brother. He, yeah, he's already <laughs> he's already got like you know like a father figure, and so that's how like the relationship like developed. We started like being friends and stuff like that. Um, you know, we had we had like one or two big blowups that mm -hmm. was maybe something along those lines, but it wasn't th that same thing said. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's cool because like now it's like I can like be your friend that gives you fatherly advice. 
Mm -hmm. right? It's like kind of like I have that relationship with my older brother too. It's like he can like be like my friend, but he's also like older and wiser and will yeah. give me fatherly advice. Sometimes I hate it, and I'm sure that, you know, Pernell does too. That's his name. Sometimes I'm sure he hates it, but it's a good relationship to have. Yeah. I think those kind of relationships are important. Yep, that's awesome. I want to ask you about your uh, tattoo. Are you a poker player? No, I actually just got this, man. So we were in Florida. Um, we were in Florida, and uh, my I was with my wife's side of the family, and everybody was getting tattoos, and I didn't want to get one. And my wife was like, no, you got to get one. So she got the <laughs> Queen of Hearts, and I got the King of Spades. Oh, nice. I said, make it real small so my watch band can cover it. Yep. But it's still healing, so I couldn't wear my watch. Yeah, that's awesome. I was, I was like thinking, I was like, oh, you're a poker player. You had to come play. Oh, no, man. No. So, and I got another tattoo. I got one right here and then one right here. And then when I was 15, I wanted to get a tattoo, but my parents wouldn't sign. So it carved like an alpha and omega in my foot. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. With a knife? Uh, a sticker cutter. A what? Hannah Montana sticker cutter. It was like this little <laughs> it's like this little thing that would take stickers off the wall. And it was like a metal tip that was going back and forth. Back that's and gonna forth. be the that's gonna be the uh, the quote from this. Like, <laughs> that's how to tattoo with a sticker cutter. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the thumbnail's gonna be like he carved the word, a tattoo in his foot with a Hannah Montana <laughs> sticker cutter. And broke and open a uh, ink pen and use that yeah. as oh, ink. Oh, man. And he wasn't even in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid things we do, man. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So vision-wise, like we'll get into some some deep stuff here toward the end. What is your why? What is my why? Um, so I think um, it's changed over the years. I would say my why, first off, was I wanted to emulate my father and my brother um, it started with my father, but, you know, as my brother grew in um, his businesses, you know, I started wanting to emulate him as well. Um, so that's how it started. And then it was, well, no, let me take that back. I'm sorry. It started about money, and then it started with that. And then now it's I just want to be able to provide a life for my wife and kids, and I want to be able to give my kids opportunities um, like I had. You know, I want them to have like, you know, something of theirs that they can build for their own or they can even just use it to live a less stressful life. Uh, so that's a, I think that's probably my big why. And I want to, I also want to help people too. What is your biggest struggle right now? Um, my biggest struggle right now. It's definitely myself. It's just what area of myself it is. Um, I would probably have to say my biggest struggle is um, dealing with, uh, I wouldn't say failure, but dealing with um, dead ends. Like, you know, you go down a road, you find out, ah, this is a bad road. Let me go to this next one. All right. That's not the good road. Let me go to the next one. And after that happens like five, six times, you're like, what the heck is going on, man? Should I even, you know, keep driving or what? Um, so that's uh, that's difficult too, you know, for me um, to keep pushing through. That's pretty difficult for me. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting because uh, we did this thing called NLP, and it's always it talks about reframing, which is something that I did a lot of in sales is just reframing. And so whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm like, man, like, 
instead of thinking that as like a big struggle or something, I see that as like a exciting, obviously, you know, the benefits too, I'm sure it's exciting because then you make sure that you don't go really far down the wrong way. You yeah. know what I mean? You go, mm-hmm. you go too far down the road. Cause like, that's what I do is I set a goal, put on the blinders and I'm going all the way to the end. Yeah. And it's a long way back to like, once you lost everything, you know, like, let's say you lost your family or like rebuild or anything. And then you're like, dang, dude, I went, went down there. I hit the goal. But dude, it was a dead end. So it's kind of like exciting that you're finding out very quickly that it's not what you want to do, you know? Yeah. There's so. def- there's definitely um, a cost with everything. Yeah. Everything good and positive in your life, there's, it's going to come at a cost. Um, so that's like the more positive way of like looking at it, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, when you were saying that, though, I was, uh, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, maybe, um, maybe, maybe sometimes the goal is not big enough. Right. Sometimes I feel like that if the goal is really, really big, there's a lot of little goals that need to be put in place or that you need to accomplish before you can reach that big one. And some of those might seem like it was a dead end because this is not what I want to do. But maybe having a big umbrella goal that covers that. Yeah. Kind of help out with that, too, sometimes. Yeah. So to me, that sounds like uh, to purpose Mm -hmm. like purpose would be a better word in my opinion for that the big vision Mm -hmm. it's like what is the purpose of my life i think would be that that overarching vision because then you're you're still going to hit those Mm -hmm. dakota was mentioning nlp that's neuro linguistic programming in case you're listening to this and you're wondering what it is uh we went to a, a seminar and the thing that i thought of from nlp when you were talking about like feeling stuck is it kind of depends on what dead end or like how you feel you're stuck because sometimes it's not actually the decision it's the lack of making the decision because once you decide a lot more freedom comes to you like you feel a lot more relieved so sometimes with a principle was called parts integration where it's part of you wants to do one thing and part of you wants to do something else and the thing that you need to understand is like both parts of you share the same higher self like the highest version of yourself they share the same principles they want the same thing for you and they're both probably still in alignment with your purpose it's just a matter of you kind of like giving yourself permission to be allowed to decide because it's the deciding that creates the most anxiety Mm -hmm. i would say um another thought that i was having was uh I almost feel, um, I almost feel as though that I'm trying to think how exactly to put it. I almost feel as though is that um, I I get going down a road, I get going down a road, and um, I start questioning the road because I'm like do I really need to be putting myself at risk like this? Because like, I mean, I have a very comfortable life, you know, and my number one goal is I want to get to that next level. And I don't think that will ever stop. I mm-hmm. think even when I get to that next level, there's going to be another level and For another sure. level and another level. I was telling somebody not too long ago too. And they were like, Oh man, that's the best advice ever. I was uh, telling them that, uh, you know, you have a goal in your mind. Let's say it's a savings, amount, a number right? Let's say you want to save $10,000. The minute you save that $10,000, it's like, what now? Mm -hmm. Right? So 
I think when you when you're really comfortable in what you're doing and everything's going good and everything is great and that what now question is still in your head, then it's really tough because that's like, okay, well, what now is is that part of me feels like I got to put all of this good stuff over here on the line and I need to risk it all to go over here or I might need to lose something in order to gain something over here. And I think playing that game back and forth in my head is stressful, man. Yeah. It's really stressful because, like, I mean, everybody does it. You look on the Internet, you see everybody's doing I mean, I watch you guys, right, buying a deal here. We got a new deal this week. Oh, we're painting these windows. What color do you think we should do? White or whatever? You know, I watch that kind of stuff. And not just with you guys, with everybody. Yeah. You know, I look at people in the, the restaurant field, and it's like everybody's opening a restaurant like every other week. And I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> What's going on? And then you try and you try and you try and it doesn't and it doesn't work. And you're like, then you start blaming yourself instead of the world and this and that. And you start looking around and it's it gets. uh, Yeah, it gets tough sometimes, you know, to keep a level head. Yeah. When you keep going through that. Yep. That's why I think uh, I think that purpose is uh, important to figure out, Okay, what am I trying to do with my life? Like, what is the big vision? for me and you talked about that like make sure the vision is big that way you know really what you're doing and then like then you see that stuff and then instead of like thinking what am i doing you're thinking dude that's awesome that they're pursuing their vision their passion because yeah. like hopefully they are doing that they're not just trying to compete with the world you know mm-hmm. they're really trying to like reach for what their goals are and their vision is and then just know that your vision is completely separate your purpose is separate like god gave you different gifts that you're supposed to be using for a different purpose than what maybe that person's using their gifts for and i think that uh it's always different and then i remember uh um Grant Cardone and Ed Milet, they had that, uh, they had a podcast together and he talked Grant actually said, he's like, man, imagine if like you got these gifts and you're not using them and you're not turning into the person that you're supposed to be. And you know that you're living beneath your potential. That's what depression is, man. It's horrible. Yeah. That's depression. So like you feeling those feelings are like, that means that you have a gift put inside of you that you're supposed to be using and maybe you're not using it. But like, you also want to make sure that you're using it for the reasons that are in line with the bigger purpose, like not just to go out there and compete and be the best or to win. You got to really find out why am I doing this? Is this going to serve other people? Is this going to serve my purpose for my life and my vision? You know, which like, obviously it involves your family and your kids. So I think once you align all of that stuff, it's just like an ongoing process that never really ends. Like, you know, you're always adjusting. Well, and when me and you were talking earlier, you said something that was great too. And it was like, um, I, I think this is how you said it. I don't have enough experience yet to realize what it is I truly want. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that a lot of people, they don't do like enough. I mean, it could be, it could be, you want to go see uh, Europe. It could be within, right. Oh, I want to do, I want to gain 20 pounds and I want to be cut because I do too. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, but it could be that kind of stuff. And I feel like not a lot of people have asked that question within themselves. Like, hey, let me try to go get all the experience I can so I can pick and be like, that's what I want. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it's very important to 
to hit those dead ends, honestly, like you talked about, because a lot of people don't hit those dead ends, which is even more of a problem. So it, I, to me, it's exciting because you're you're that means that you're going somewhere. You get to the point where you wanted to be. And now you realize this isn't what I want. And you go back. That's why I think it's exciting, because the problem is if you're chasing and then you never get to the dead end, you're still chasing you can't, and you don't you can't know. Eliminate one yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you, I think it's exciting because like that's what I was talking about earlier with Alex is like, dude, it's good that you're hitting these goals because you think you know, you want these things. You think you want to make $20,000 a month until you make $20,000 a month and your life is still very similar to the way that it was before. You think that you want a big house until you realize that the big house doesn't change anything in your life. But if you just chase those things and you never get them, then you never realize that's not what you wanted at all. Yeah. So and some people want that stuff and there's and nothing, that's and there's a, nothing that's wrong a, with it. hundred percent. That is okay mm -hmm. to want those things, but hurry up and get them and find out if that's actually what you want. For one thing that I think is, is really sad is that some people feel like they don't even have the time to figure out what it is that they want. Cause they got to put food on the table. Yeah. They got to pay bills. They had a kid when they were in high school and that determined like the next 10 years of their life. So like when people feel like that they don't have enough time to be the best version of themselves, man, that's I, that's horrible to me. Yeah, that'd be a bad spot to be in. Yeah. And it, sadly, it seems like a great majority of people that are around us every day probably feel like that. Yeah, you know. So I think that it's um, I think that it's our job to. And you guys, you you guys do phenomenal with it. It's like our job to like make people realize that they can go do that kind yes. of stuff, you know, and be an inspiration to people. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Is like whenever you hit those goals, then now you know, okay, I accomplished this. I got to this. What else can I do? And then you realize I can live the life that I want to live, and like it's empowering because you're hitting goals, and now you're like, okay. I can create the life that I actually want to live. And you actually have confidence in that now because you've done it. You've done other things. You've succeeded in other things. Now you have the confidence. Okay. I found out that was all great and I achieved a lot, but it wasn't what I wanted. Now I realize I can achieve the life that I want to live. And so what do you actually want? And honestly, when you said that, like, it's sad that like, you know, people don't have time. I feel like I'm still in that boat where I haven't decided exactly what I want because I'm so far into the business, so far into all this stuff that like, there's a lot of other people that are relying on me right now. And it's been like that my most of my life to where I can't decide what I really want, but I feel like I'm definitely on the right track and I'm on my purpose. So to me, I don't lose energy or lose any confidence because I know that I'm, I'm, I'm like, pursuing my purpose and I know that I'm on the right path to get there. So to me, that's exciting. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't feel like I'm like, oh, I'm hitting all these dead ends. No, I'm laser focused. And I think that I'm going the direction that I'm supposed to. Well, then what does Gary Vee say too? He said, we all hit the freaking lottery, man. There's like yeah. a one in 400 trillion chance that we're humans here on earth. Right. You know, so all of us should be happy every day. Yeah. Yep. You know, Ed Milet says, uh, be blissfully dissatisfied. You should be thankful for what you have and like very satisfied with it, but also chasing the potential on who you're supposed to be. Yeah. So. So last deep question. We always ask everybody this. Uh, 70 years from now, doctor says you got like one hour to live and you have a final message that you get to share with the world. Could be on a billboard in Times Square, could be a paragraph, a sentence, a mantra. 
what is your message that you think that the world needs? I'll let you know in 70 years. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, come back. All right, so this is going to sound very, very cheesy, but it's, it's one word. It's just love. I would say that that's it. Just love what you do. Love the people around you. Um, love your family. Love your friends. Just, just love. If you, if I, I truly feel like that. If you, uh, if the, if the love is first and it's great, right? And you, that goes first. Then it doesn't matter how well you do it, how crappy you do it. You're always gonna prevail. I, I truly feel like that. Do you, do you read the Bible? No. Okay. That's like, cause the Bible literally says that. So there's actually a verse that, uh, we listened to, um, probably like three or four weeks ago. And like, dude, it literally says basically that exact thing It's like, dude, you can have all the wisdom in the world. You can have faith. that will move mountains. You can speak like eloquently. It doesn't matter if, if you do all of that without love, it's all meaningless. It's all, it doesn't matter. I've ran into a lot of people that I feel like that are less capable than me that are way farther yeah. than me. And it's, I, I had to ask that question, like how the heck did they do that? If I can do this, this and that, and I can do it all better than them. And I feel like that maybe they're just more passionate. Yep. Maybe they love what they're doing just a little bit more. And yep. a lot of times it shows, you know, I'm sure you guys know other real estate guys or guys that are doing exactly what you're doing that don't put as much passion in it as you guys got a whole freaking room, you know, just, just for this, you know, that's a lot of passion. That's a lot of heart right there. Yeah, for sure. How can our listeners get a hold of you? How can they get a hold of me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they want to reach out or like yeah. ask you questions about you the restaurant. You can message me business. on Facebook. Um, you can give a call to the restaurant. That's 260-444-4802. Or you can message me on Facebook. My n Facebook name is Sotirios Brunis. That's uh S-O-T-I-R-I-O-S. And last name is B-O-U-R-O-U-N-I-S. Nice. Or just uh, stop in and get a bunch of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, man. I like that. Like this guy ordered. That would be funny. A bunch if they, of different kind of drinks, not real yeah, yeah, drinks. Yeah, yeah. If they yes. just yes. brought you out. Like if they just brought you out because they're like, um, I want you to meet the owner because <laughs> this guy just came in. He ordered hot cocoa. Uh, coffee, a Mountain Dew, like, <laughs> yeah. like this guy has like 27 drinks around him. He's like, I really just wanted to meet Sam. <laughs> yep. It's a star customer, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Um, if you're listening, keep chasing your dreams. Not that I've made it, but, uh, definitely just don't give up. Just keep going and, uh, keep listening and watching too. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, bro. Hey, appreciate, appreciate you guys. Man. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Appreciate you guys for watching. If you made it all the way to the end, please go on any podcast site that you are watching, listening to this to YouTube, all that stuff. Leave us a five star review on the podcast. It really does help us a lot. And we always forget to ask for that. So if you guys are listening, the way that we continue to keep doing that is if you guys share it and give us five star reviews, it helps us out a lot. So Apple, Spotify. Yep. All that stuff. Peace out.